This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. This is the Seattle Overload Podcast. I'm your host, Matty F. Brown, and I'm joined by Ty Dane Gonzalez. Our usual Griffin third member, he's not here. And that may be a common theme for this uh, section of the show, the, what day is it going to ring out? Thursday. Mm. Which is going to be more of a kind of newsy roundup, get some takes off, hang out, talk Seahawks less intense X's nose, but also a chance for Ty to uh, have a bit more of a chat. Not that he doesn't, but we sometimes uh, talk over him and get really nerdy and leave him out. So, mm. the Seahawks still won. That That's great, Ty. Yeah. Yeah. It, I We're here on Wednesday recording, and it turns out the Seahawks still won that football game on Monday night. Crazy. Insane. Um, still haven't like fully processed the fact that that happened, uh, but it's amazing. Got to tell you that, love that. So yeah, very excited to uh, to be on here and uh, to talk some Hawks tonight. And we're we're doing a live stream for those that are maybe listening after the fact. Uh, we're doing a live stream on YouTube, so some of you uh, also unhinged uh, Seahawks fans uh, can uh, come and chat with us. Leave your comments. Maybe we'll answer some questions. We got some topics to get into, but yeah. How are you, Maddie? Well, I'm obviously very happy because the, the Seahawks still won and yeah. the narrative coming out of Denver is still kind of wild and the mm. Flannel Hackett's admitted that it was wrong and then it's like, well, why did they have that weird press conference where they were talking about and why did the kicker tweet out the 46 left hash thing? And that's all very strange, but whatever, not our problem. Uh, fun memes fun reactions twitter was unbelievable the, mm. the the takes but uh yeah and it kind of seems like the you know the national narrative is switching up on the seahawks a little bit as well right like turning on espn on tuesday morning tuning on like pat mcafee show you know some of these bigger shows that cover the nfl and we're hearing Gino praise. We're hearing, yeah, you know what? Maybe this team, they're they're building a little something special, right? Like you hear like Lewis Riddick and, and these guys coming out now and saying like, you know what? Maybe, I, you know, maybe the Seahawks got a little something going on here after, I don't know, we spent the last five months here and that the Seahawks are going 0-17 and they're going to get the first pick. 
CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, whoever is going to be the Seahawks quarterback next year, whatever. Um, but you know, it's it's. I think at the end of the day, though, I think it's great that that Gino is getting his due. That people are recognizing that. Um, you know, I've heard some really you know uh, positive things from um, you know just from shows that I watched and radio and all that stuff. You know, actually giving Gino his due. That's awesome. You know, and and recognizing like, hey, you know, this guy hasn't hasn't really gotten a chance in a long time, and he kind of got screwed out of his last chance, and now he's you know he's he's back on the field and he's making it happen. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Good for good for Gino. You know, everyone's going with the quote too. That's awesome. So uh, you know, that's been a whole thing. So it's it's really cool to see like you know the Seahawks are uh, garnering some attention now, and and people are taking notice. People are taking notice of what we've been talking about for months, Maddie. They've they've taken notice to Gino. Everyone definitely, is getting irreversibly Gino pilled now. <laughs> definitely fun having the Seahawks be that kind of gritty, uh, spicy, action mm. green underdog where. Mm. It, for a while, like, you know, with Russell Wilson, it was always, well, did they underperform that year? Did they did they miss the, the, the boat? And we, you can talk about that more seriously. But now we don't have to sort of think about that. It's kind of like, well, Ray just beat the Broncos. That was fun. And no one expected them to. And you talk about the national narrative shifting. Well, actually, you know, you look at the NFL.com picks and all but one of them mm. have picked the 49ers. They're a nine point five um, yeah. underdog on the road in San Francisco. So, well, Santa Clara, and so all of it. All of that being said, like, yeah, I think I think there is some warming up to the Seahawks, and I think I think people like that kind of Pete Carroll thing, and and you know the vibe around the team and Gino mm-hmm. proving people wrong. That that's quite a cool story, and I think people are willing to embrace that. Nonetheless, though, I, I do still think there's a, a bit of a sentiment against the Seahawks as a quality team and, and well, mm. questioning their quality to even compete against the 49ers, who are, I mean, the the confidence in Trey Lance, and we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow when we preview that game, but the confidence in Trey Lance is, uh, I have yet to see where that is really coming from, but perhaps I'll be proved wrong. But to see, you know, all but one of them pick the the 49ers mm. and to see you know them be a 9.5 there was there was one prediction in there that said 40 to 16 49ers i i don't think that we'll talk about this tomorrow but i don't think trey lance has scored 40 points on this defense <laughs> like that that would have to be like something just absolutely terrible goes wrong there's got to be like two pick sixes or like a fumble recovery touchdown or something crazy like that like there's no way sure. um yeah, but uh, yeah, so there's still obviously the disrespect on, in that regard, right? From the national side of things, keep and, it coming. This team will yeah. feed off that, man. I mean, dude, the the Seahawks are at their absolute best when they're underdogs, like when no one, you know, believes in them. And you know, it, it's been a while now since we've really seen a Seahawks team that truly has a chip on its shoulder, where guys have you know truly have a chip on their on on their shoulder and. Uh, you know Shelby Harris right like the interview that he did uh, after the game like that was very like you know Seahawks in 2013 when no one really was paying attention yet and you know they're you know they were playing great ball but you know just no one was really giving them their due Uh, that it just we're kind of back to that kind of style of Seahawk football under Pete Carroll 
um, where these guys, you know, they, they truly, you know, they're out to prove people wrong. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, keep down them, Let, you know, and, uh, hopefully they, they shock the world again on, on Sunday and, and beat the 49ers. That would be a lot of fun and it would help drive the the most juiciest narratives even further after they drive the juiciest narratives for denver they drive even more juicy narratives for the 49ers there will be so many calls for jimmy garoppolo if they beat trey lance so many calls for jimmy garoppolo it'll be beautiful yeah well that is a weird situation i mean i understand that jimmy g is thought of highly there as a locker room presence and a great guy but like if you're trey lance You'd be like, uh, can this guy go now? I don't want this lingering over me. It's like um, Manchester United. They, uh, they, they, their longtime great coach, Sir Alex Ferguson, he retired um, after many, many wins. But rather than like leave the club, he just moved upstairs, and he's sort of lurking in the shadows, and still is right to this day. But like particularly in the earlier, the sort of early transition from Ferguson. He was just sort of lingering there. And it's, it would just be uncomfortable to be, you know, a manager in that setting or, in this case, a quarterback when you're the old vet who all of the locker room obviously loves. Like, um, George Kittle, for instance, really vocal about him. I know Richard Sherman spoke highly of uh, Garoppolo in the past as well. That's, that's such a weird situation. Anyway, yeah. we will see how that all plays out. But, yeah, Geno-wise really still very exciting and then defensive wise we have uh an award winner already after week one like what the heck i i mean like i thought chen and had a really good game on on monday night i didn't think that he had a defensive player of the week type of game at first glance but so that was a little surprising when i saw that today i, I still haven't watched the tape but like that uh <laughs> like he 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 uh i mean well deserved first of all like that um like he was a big part of you know those goal line stands obviously he was able to get into the backfield some got the first sack on russ like he had a big night so that's awesome you know and uh uh (laughs) to kick off the year with you know the the whole like issue you know for a while for folks with personnel wise from the defense is like they don't have an edge rusher they don't have a lead dog Mm. well they week one they open up the season with the defensive player of the week being an edge rusher the edge rusher that they added this offseason it seems like i mean obviously it's week one but let's overreact a little bit anyway because everyone's gonna do it yeah kind of seems mean, like they it kind of seems like they got a little bit of a steal there and and Chenna, if like they're like if this is any indication of what's to come from chenna nuosu like that's like for 10 million dollars a year for the next right, few years he signed that kind of mid mid tier deal, and it's like, mm, mm-hmm. like he knows the system. He 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 sort of knows the scheme, but you know, opposite Daryl Taylor of thinking this is by no means a guaranteed thing, and the the sack production is not obviously going to be crazy high. You you'd think, right? And to have again, tape podcast will be tomorrow where we'll, we'll dive into all the tape stuff. But production wise, mm-hmm. to have one sack, you know, three pressures, um, one tackle for loss per approachable reference. That's, that's spicy. I do think the award is sort of speaks to how many people watched Monday Night Football um, and the kind of national exposure. That doesn't hurt, right? But he was big on that goal line stand as well. The, we should mention that. He he stood up um, uh, the running back, I think, 
Mm-hmm. And he, he, was, he just brought a level of activity that actually kind of outshone Daryl Taylor. And now Taylor is getting held like every other snap. And I think because he's lining up on the left, I think they were really kind of mush rushing him a bit more often. Again, mm-hmm. tape podcast tomorrow. But mm-hmm. Nerosu, awesome. Absolutely awesome. And good on him. Although even in his press conference, he, he did seem a bit uh, <laughs> like slightly surprised. But anyway, mm-hmm. good for him. They all count. We'll take it. I mean, hell, we will absolutely take that all day long, uh, especially from an edge rusher in Seattle. Uh, when was the last time an edge rusher in Seattle won Defensive Player of the Week? Like, ever has that ever happened? I mean, like, has that happened I'm within sure, like the last surely, twenty years? <laughs> like, surely a Cliff Avril. Surely, like a Mike Bennett, maybe, maybe like Mike Bennett for the Saints Frank Monday Clark Night Game and. 2013 yeah frank clark maybe yeah let us know if any of any of you that are watching the live stream right now know if seahawks edge rusher has won nfc defensive player of the week drop it in the uh, comments we'll throw it up here on the screen so yeah um so how many pressures did he end up with i i think you were checking pro football reference for that yeah, I, I I did I did mention that tie. Oh, you did. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Wow. Good, good podcast. Wow, that's the second time that I've Three done that in two pressures. episodes. Yeah, it is, I, it's almost like the statistics just don't. don't get it just it, it goes it goes through one ear and out the other. I'm I sorry, I can read buddy. them slower if you want. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'm sorry, buddy. All right, so uh, <laughs> so let's talk about Jamal Adams here because um, I thought today was going to be the day that Pete said year's done. For Jamal, it's over. Right. Like he's going to need surgery. Right. Instead, he says they're still unsure if that's going to be required. Um. So, I'm. Let me just kind of start by asking you this before I forget. Can, like, is that like if he's out for the year or out for like most of the season, is that the death of the three safety looks, or can Ryan Neal, Josh Jones, and Quandre Diggs all coexist on the same field? Is the is the death of the three safety looks in mm. the way that they were going to do it with Adams in the yeah. they were going to do it and again take podcast tomorrow but they were going to do it I'll stop saying that they were going to do it where Adams was on the field with Josh Jones and Conte Diggs but they didn't have and then they had two outside cornerbacks so. Technically, Conje Diggs is kind of the nickel, or Adams is kind of the nickel. Um, and then up front, they're playing a bare front, so five down. So Adams is basically playing in the box like a linebacker. Uh, mm. And and then sometimes not doing that, uh, depending on what coverage they're playing. Now, Josh Jones could probably play in the box a bit, but he's not Adams. But also the reason you do that with Adams is so you can blitz him, right? And... Um, and the way he can be like a passing down weapon as well is going to impact their passing down stuff where, I mean, already like the play he got injured on, like that was awesome. That was like some kind of dime thing where Seattle will come out in dime plus. So with three safeties out in the field, 60 defensive backs, just as they have done in previous years, because that's how you do it. But you're not going to have the safety playing off a nose tackle you know, going into the a gap like for the sack mm-hmm. because jamal adams is that kind of dude mm. but josh jones ryan nil they don't really have that well 
they don't have nearly as much blitz and acumen. Although they're, they're, they're both solid blitzes, but they're not Adam's pass rush kind of deal. So, unfortunate. But I want to know, what, what was your read on that Pete Carroll press conference? Because I have a, a few uh, sort of troubling takes. Um, With the Adam's comment, I should specify. Yeah. Uh, see, you know, because it's... it's like it's weird with Pete and how he talks about injuries in general, right? We know how mm. like he dodges kind of the answer mm. at the end of the day and kind of dances around it and dances around the severity of everything, right? Uh, you know, he'll be like, "Oh yeah, like I, I I think this guy might be coming back next week," and the next week comes and is like out for the year, <laughs> you know. So like, you never know. Um, I think that there's still maybe some hope, or maybe there, or maybe. It, Maybe it was cope. <laughs> Maybe there was cope from from Pete today that we saw with that answer. Because like, I don't know. You look at like the injury, right? Just the the like him having to go on the cart, him you know, kind of massaging the top of his knee and everything. That seems like a quad. That seems like a ACL. That seems like something that's a season ender, mm-hmm. like for sure. Like I just I'd be stunned if Jamal comes back. So. I don't know. Maybe they're just trying desperately to get a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh opinion because he's such a big part of this whole puzzle, you know, for this whole year. And so maybe that's just why. Maybe they're literally just going through like several different opinions before they actually just finally call it. I don't know though. Mm. It's it's hard. It's hard to read with Pete, really. It, you know, because like why else? Like. What would be the reason other than that, though, to kind of ah, delay well, the inevitable? Well, yeah, what 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 do well, you think? My my take is the opposite, and it is that I actually got the sense that now I don't I don't think this is what, what will happen, but I got the sense that maybe retirement uh mm. it is a thing because you know weighing up options, um, like seeing what to do here. Like, and it's a unique or like injury, like it's a weird injury. I can't remember the exact term, um, but you know, like th- this is such a weird kind of serious injury. It's and it, it's in the quad part of the. It sounds like he's completely like destroyed it, and that's not great. And then you know, mental health wise, having to come back again after being hurt constantly. Yeah. I think I don't think well. I am not Jamal Adams. I do not have uh, insight into his brain, but you know that he'll probably be going through that kind of deliberation of as natural. I think, like mm-hmm. you know, is this meant to be with, with football? And can I go through another recovery? And also, like, will I be the same player after whatever surgery they're considering? With this being such a rare injury, like, can I actually yeah. play football again? Uh, because I don't know. If we know that, and 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 that's true. Pete Carroll's comments to me, that I, I I don't think he, I think he was careful to be drawn into saying you know, uh, anything definitive for that reason because I think there is like a a small perhaps likelihood that you know it it could be the end and you know hopefully not and also hopefully yeah. Jamal is okay like mentally and and um and then physically and and then as a football player. Well, yeah, to your point, you know, with, you know, the language that Pete has been using to describe the injury, 
And if that is the case, that it is a very rare injury, it's something that's very serious. You know, Jamal's probably got to feel like the universe is out for him, basically. You know, it just kind of feels like, like you said, like, is this meant to be? Am I actually meant to play football at this point? Like, because it's just injury after injury after injury. And it's not just like, you know, one like exclusive season ender per year. It's like, multitude of injuries stacking up on top of one another over the last three years right you know because like you go back to 2020 it's the fingers it's the shoulder it's you know and then the next year it's the shoulder and everything and then now it's you know fingers again during training camp then uh now it's a knee and it's just like his whole body is just getting beat to hell and yeah like you said you know it's like you got to wonder at that point like you know, with a knee injury, like, am I ever going to be the same guy? Like, am I ever going to be able to provide that value that makes me Jamal Adams? Am I ever going to be Jamal Adams again? You know, so, yeah, I think, you know, that that messes with the player a lot. And, you know, just the whole, like, having to go through rehab. And, you know, maybe, you know, again, to your point, maybe, you know, Pete was hinting at something or retirement or that, you know, maybe um, Jamal is thinking about retirement because, uh, you know, and that's why they're unsure about surgery. Maybe he just doesn't want to have the surgery and he's just I'm done. surprised Pete didn't get a follow up on that. I, I, yeah. I, I really am. And, and you know, and maybe the surgery is complicated. Like maybe there's no guarantees of, of it being successful or being leading to, you know, being able to play football, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, unfortunate as well because he he's a terrific football player, mm. and you know I I do feel bad for him in a sense because he gets beaten around the head with the you know how much the the the, the assets the Seahawks gave up to to acquire Adams not his fault and yeah. really you know the tape which I've watched he's been a fantastic football player in Seattle barring a few kind of injury influenced mistakes um yeah but but they're you know they get amplified because of the whole weird narrative which which has always just been warped because of the the amount that seattle gave up to go and get him but yeah th- thinking of jamal because yeah they think yeah it sucks and by the way like you know it's also not the seahawks fault and the trade either right like they you know we know the player that uh, they thought that they were getting and we've seen him at play at a very high level we've seen him play at the level that they you know thought he was going to be at you know they didn't know that he was going to get injury after injury after injury after injury right like they didn't know that sometimes you lose traits you know sometimes yeah, it can, just happens you can get into the values of uh, of what a safety is uh, i believe it's growing in in the league especially yeah. with like you know how that is transitioning to more middle field open looks the safeties are really lent upon to make that uh, work from a uh, back to front front to back and, and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. but also you know, you know he's much more than a safety like and he's not uh, he's not a linebacker it's so annoying no. when people say that because he can do safety aspects he's just a chess piece and and his pass rush ability on top of that as well he's just a completely unique player so the the whole value thing like i get it and and but also it's a bit annoying i still um I'm interesting to know, you know, they, they said they punted on the, that draft because of COVID, which was kind of fortuitous yeah. phrasing. Uh, I still want to sort of look back and see how that whole draft did. It'll be interesting sort of two years down the line, mm-hmm. how that all pans out. But but really, like year one, NFL sack record, 
for DB and he did ignite the pass rush when they needed it most. Like if they'd put together a run, if they'd managed to get past Wolford <laughs> and yeah. the Rams in the playoffs, uh, and, uh, you know, and put together, you know, gone to a Super Bowl, then suddenly it's worth it. But unfortunately, a lot of other things collapsed there and Jamal himself got hurt. So, yeah. Anyway. By the way, we have an answer to our uh, question. Oh, Michael Bennett in 2015 won Defensive Player of the Year, uh, or Defensive Player of the Week, rather, against the 49ers. And then Frank Clark in Week 6, 2018. So thank you to Alexander Wheeler ah, and we're both Battle right. Rap fan. So, yeah. This might be. I'm surprised Cliff never got one. Yeah. He, he was, I guess... Uh, I guess maybe like he... Piece. Gym. Yeah, I guess maybe he never had like a big volume game with like the flashy stats where he like you get like a you know strip sack and like another sack mm. on top of that and like I don't know you know there's always it's his... always like the very basic stats that get you those awards so right I think his best game for the Seahawks probably Super Bowl forty eight as well so yeah yeah all right so Kim Walker the third who had a hernia surgery a few weeks ago mm. is uh, apparently coming back. Uh, Pete announced on uh, Seattle the, Sports. The optimistic yeah. Pete Carroll. The he, optimistic he, Pete Carroll. He made sure to um, remind people of that in his his press conference today to mm -hmm. to reporters. So we're already we're already you know backing up a little bit. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's like spoken to a team yeah. doctor after the radio yeah. here, yeah. and they've been yeah. like, "Hey Pete, you probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. not one hundred percent to go. You do know that." <laughs> he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." so but if he does make his return this week um how many snaps do you think he'll get coming off of that injury oh well there's there's the whole coming off the injury mm -hmm. and then there's also the fact that you know he's got Rashad Penny in front of him and yeah. Penny is the the workhorse you know he he's the guy who should be getting most of the carries I I I don't know. Like maybe a dozen. Like how how much is worth worth doing? Like is Penny hot? Is Penny struggling? It, 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 there's a lot of factors at play here. But if he's good to go, then use him. But you know, if he's good to go, he should be fully available. And then it comes down to you know all those factors I just spoke about. You know how well Penny's doing, and also what, what we saw last week. Uh, multiple running backs in the backfield little tri triple option looks maybe we see a bit of penny and walker on the field wow mm. that would be exciting and uh sort of a nice sort of Did they do that with that full house uh pistol thing do some rpos do oh, get yeah. a little get a get a little sexy with it you know they could uh, definitely do that they will yeah. do that yeah yeah they should they should yeah no i think that's uh that's pretty interesting. Plus, because like Penny's kind of like a bowling ball, right? So like, you know, you could have him uh, maybe line up as like a fullback, basically. <laughs> you know. By the way, his doesn't his brother is it his brother or his cousin that's the fullback, Elijah. I think Elijah his Penny. brother. It's I his brother, his right? Brother for the Giants, right, so that, still, right? So that's a, so that's in the background too, like. Yeah, he'll oh, just call Rashad. up his brother, be like, yeah. um, "Hey, how do I, how do I, how do I chip someone?" <laughs> Tra Travis Homer also in there, three running back sets. DJ Dallas just hitting people. Let's <laughs> DJ, have four on the field. Yeah, DJ Dallas. <laughs> DJ Dallas playing tight end. Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty excited to see like. 
and maybe you know that was i don't know like because penny didn't get a lot of action um this summer i kind of wonder if that also played into the fact that they didn't run much oh bit of load management little load management because i mean like i don't know like like i'm interested to see if penny's uh uh carries uh increase this week i think they will like yeah carol said they didn't run him enough and we were saying it too like he got a nice dosage at the start and then yeah well the offense did the disjointed thing in the second half like in total but where was the the run game like I, they did they sort of went away from it and uh, completely when it was you know it was still getting four yards to carry albeit skewed by one big run but like yeah penny only getting 12 carries is crazy i do think they'll they'll lean on him more often in the 49ers game and if they're leaning on penny more often maybe you know that should be more opportunities for walker it if he does go which <laughs> Pete, you promised us, Pete. We want to see our exciting rookie, who's uh, mm. very, very uh, dynamic. And uh, just seeing the way that those two will like uh, bounce off each other, like yeah. know, complement each other. Like mm. Penny's this huge, uh, you know, height, weight, speed, ridiculous gliding. But then Walker's like a smaller jitterbug version where he still has that you know home run threat ability and and one cut ability and they both thrive in wide zone and gap concepts which seahawks that's what they they do they do the wide zone the mid zone and then they do their their duo crunch and and maybe a bit of uh pulling but not much pulling mm-hmm. yeah so uh let's uh you want to answer some questions yeah, let's get some questions. We got some questions. All right. Ian wants to know, would you summarize Adams' play style as safety, inside linebacker, and, and rotational pass rusher? He's too small to really set the edge. Matty? Uh, well, well, yeah, he's not he's not setting the primary edge, but he can set an edge as like a secondary force player, which is a safety. And he can do some inside linebacker elements and he can be a rotational pass rusher. So I've always said he's a defensive weapon, but if, if you had to call him something, he's a safety, like there's this kind of preconception kind of because of the Legion of boom, the safeties are either a, a free safety where the free safety, which the free safety used to be the guy who aligned on the flex side of the defense. So the flex side of the defense is the dude away from the tight end. Then the strong safety used to be the guy who aligned to the solid side, so the guy to the tight end. So what? rather than calling the free safety the weak safety, they, they called him the, the free safety because we don't want someone to be weak if they're playing football. <laughs> they're, they're very strong. Mm. Anyway, where, where I'm going with that is then the Legion of Boom, everyone's thinking free safety is going to play single high in, in like cover three, cover one, that kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then the strong safety is Cam Chancellor. He's in the box. But no mm-hmm. one called Cam Chancellor a linebacker. We, like, why did we suddenly go from, okay, we have a box safety and then, oh, it's a linebacker. But like Adams was great playing in quarters coverage last year for the Seahawks. Just no one noticed him because... He's doing his job in too high and mm-hmm. it's not that flashy because the ball doesn't get thrown there. The quarterback sees him on the backside. They're like, okay, I won't throw that way. And then and then it goes on. But 
he's doing like backside free safety kind of elements. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's playing safety. Like, he, he, yeah, uh, it's just cool that he has the the kind of, you know, blitzing ability. But then, you know, Troy Polamalu could blitz and everyone called him a bloody safety. So I don't know why suddenly the 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 narrative, you know, changed somewhat. It's kind of funny how, like, folks act like Jamal Adams is, like, the only person that does what he does. <laughs> that he's, like, this insult to safety play or something. Like, like it's, it's, it's crazy to me. It's just, like, I don't know. He's a versatile-ass player. He's a good player. Like, I don't, I don't get, I don't get, like the like people just come out of the woodwork to like talk their well, to get their takes off on Jamal well, for some reason. Well, he, yeah, the narrative is broken around him, and and then sort of linking back to Ian's point about uh, you know, what would you summarize him as? Why it matters that he's a safety is because you know Ian's saying he is too small to really set the edge. Yeah, he is because he's mm-hmm. a safety, like he's a safety body. He's a, yeah. he's a DB body. Oh, ultimately, he's not an inside linebacker. Because an inside linebacker still, even with how light the NFL is getting, like and and just the game in general, an inside linebacker is still like two twenty five, two thirty pounds. Like Adams ain't that. So then you can't yeah. suddenly start. Yeah, that's why positions still matter. Even though football is moving to being more positionless, even if it is about matchups and plugging guys in the right spots. Uh, but I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just de- call him a defensive weapon and and enjoy the fact he can do a lot of things really well and then be sad because he's badly hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Poppy me says, good day lads. Given that nearly every commentator throughout or thought Monday was going to be a blowout. Why hasn't there been more conversation about how the game was even that close to begin with? Love your work. I think it all kind of ties to the, um, well, thanks Poppy. Yeah, thanks, Poppy. But <laughs> like, yeah, and, but like, I I think the uh, I I think that really you know goes back to the whole red zone conversation though, and like you know because they convert on those visits to the red zone. This is we're feeling a lot different about this game. Well, no, I reject. You're right. That is what it is. But yeah, my how people can you know have their you know if buts maybe yeah fit their narrative because. Seattle had a uh, fourth and inches or fourth and one, but it was, should have been inches from yeah. Denver's seven. If they punch that in, well, suddenly that's a bit different because they go up by uh, over two scores. No, it wasn't over two. They'd gone up 14 to three. And then they should have had two picks. Like Adams dropped a pick, Diggs dropped a pick, and Denver scored on both those drives. Well, that looks a bit different, doesn't it? Denver's getting blown out. So I do agree, Ty. Like people are fixating on the fact that Denver bottled it when they got down uh, into Seattle's mm-hmm. goal line with terrible clock management and draining the clock and getting blown off the football. But, you know, it for, it's fun to play ifs and, and maybes. Uh, it's often the, the losing party where that, that sort of starts emerging from, right? Because it's like, damn, yeah. we could have done that. And usually in tight games, right? Because suddenly everyone's like, well, we just needed three more points and we'd have... <laughs> We've yeah. got this. Um, and well, and also, we you know, that? well, you think about it too, is like the Broncos were kind of gifted three points because Quandary Diggs dropped that interception in the end zone. 
that would yeah, have been a nice like you know so it goes both ways right like you were saying like the you know the fourth and inches uh with gino on the qb sneak and all that like yeah so you know but it, i i think the the question is more so just like you know why or like why is there no talk about the broncos not just you know them failing to just blow out the seahawks when like that's what the expectations were but i again i think like we're kind of we are seeing that conversation but it's all centered around like the missed opportunities of the red zone and it's all very broncos focused and very broncos heavy and it's like well if they just did this like it wasn't really the seahawks it was the broncos you know the broncos fumbled the bag basically and it's like well it goes both ways though right like guys made plays at the goal line right like the seahawks earned that you know and you know al woods made a huge play and chen and made a huge play like that can't be forgotten here right like it's not just oh the bronc haha bronco's bad <laughs> right like seahawks also made some plays there they had to do that in order to get out of those situations and uh you know the defense they- is monumental yeah. yeah i mean that was pete carroll ball to the t- into a t we said that on monday right and so um but yeah you know at the end of the day uh you know the broncos you know they're working through growing pains anyway right russell wilson first start you know because like he didn't play at all in the preseason um and you know that and you're just kind of dropping him into basically last year's personnel offensively in denver and you know, those guys haven't, you know, like they, they've been practicing with him. They've been working out with him, you know, constantly throughout the off season, but that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, give you the information that you really need. You know, no, you need to build chemistry. You need to work with one another in a game setting where you're playing against another team and not, a, a, not against another team, even, even in like a, a scrimmage or a preseason where guys are kind of playing half speed or it's a bunch of backups trying to, you know, play for their NFL lives, et cetera, like an actual real game where like stuff matters. And like, you know, like they, like Russ had a good game overall, but you know, there was obviously the big mistakes and you know, well, and him, him and Hackett as well. They need to figure out their working relationship a bit more like, yeah, I mean Hackett. I think saying afterwards about how he he may have left a few too many many audibles and options with Russ, and that's sort of what was going on down at the goal line with the with the sort of delay of games. There was too much on Russ's plate, basically. Like, and and they just need to figure that out, and the, the whole clock management between them, getting the play in, yeah. how whoever's to blame there. We we we're not privy to that. By the way, like. Does Russ not have the green light to call timeout in that situation? Because that seems really sus to me for a quarterback that's making the money that he's making. He was calling. As a, he called. As he was 11. able to call timeout. He was able to call timeout earlier. Like he was. Yeah, the that's, little yeah. Cla- the classic. You know, only certain quarterbacks in the NFL get to do it. Where you know they t- they turn to the official like nonchalantly when it's a one second and just tap uh, the timeout mm-hmm. sign. He did that earlier. So yeah, yeah that is weird. That kind of. Sh- shifting of uh of blame yeah and that's why and that's why i said on monday that you know i think that falls on the quarterback at the end of the day especially when you're talking about an 11 year veteran making all that money like that's why i was talking about you know down at the goal line obviously he didn't fumble those balls himself but he contributed to those plays being out of whack to those plays starting out in such a chaotic fashion there was you know an awkward handoff on on one of them i think it was the gordon one where al woods blew up the play um chenna got in there with the 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 you know uh, with strip like you know so that's 
at the end of the day, the clock management stuff to me is Russell 100%. Like, yeah. I get like the whole like, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's first time coach this is his first game, etc. But I feel like that's kind of missing the point here in the conversation that Russ should have been able to overrule him in that situation. Mm-hmm. Call timeout saved, you know, 40 seconds or whatever on the clock. And then they could have talked about it. And I get maybe, you know, they wanted to run, you know, Hackett wanted to run the clock down because they, they got to the 46, which is still stupid to me. That is just mind-blowingly dumb uh, to me. So, you know, there's uh, they're out of whack right now. We'll see. I mean, can you imagine if they lose to the Texans this week? Oh, oh, brother. Oh, Justin brother. Simmons is hurt. Ooh. When did he get hurt? Uh, apparently he hurt himself in the the second half of the last game and played through it. And he played through it. Yeah. So um, Sunday is going to be very interesting. Uh, and then they they play the Forty ers the next week on uh, Sunday night, I think. So those two games, if they end up starting like one and two or zero oh and three, ooh. Yeah, because the back half of their schedule is actually nuts. Like. It's, it's so difficult. Like the first yeah. bit is a bit easier, but back half is very, very mm-hmm. tricky. And Russ doesn't enjoy second half of the seasons as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So Nick uh, asks, uh, do you think how the 12s booed Russell Wilson might affect players wanting to come play <laughs> for Seattle? Thanks, Nick. Uh, I've heard this a lot. The simple really? answer is I've heard this a lot. Dude, I've heard this a lot. Like, oh, you know, because this is for some reason a story. They're asking Bobby Wagner in press conferences now, like what he thinks about it and all this stuff. Like, yeah. So, like, it's all like that's the other thing, right? So, there's obviously, you know, going back to the national narrative conversation that we Mm -hmm. had at the start of the show. Like, there's obviously like the praise for Gino and the praise for Pete and the praise for the team in general. But there's also like, for some reason, this huge conversation doesn't matter which station you tune into about why did Seattle boo Russell Wilson? Oh, it's so classist. He won you a Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. And on by extension, there's folks saying, players are not want to are not going to want to come to Seattle now because you booed Russell Wilson. Okay. Listen, it doesn't matter in the slightest. If you win football games, good football players want to come play for you. Simple as that. End of discussion. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. Also, the perception of Russ, like, I feel the the recent the recent stuff, like just in the media cycle, what's come out, all of that stuff, I feel people kind of understand why there was a bit more spice you know yeah or at least rational people understand why there was a bit more spice to it and i think players are very much aware that yeah russ russ is russ right he's a a unique individual but also it's kind of they know they know how it went down and also i more than that like is sport like players know that fans are fans they don't really i don't think they 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 think too much into that and and like yeah. when Russ's time comes when when he when he you know is retired when he perhaps is enjoying you know Hall of Fame candidacy then they'll put his jersey in the rafters and he'll get the 
you know, the hero's welcome and and I'm sure they'll they'll do something for him where, you know, he probably raised the twelve man flag at some point. Uh mm-hmm. unless something terrible happens in the twenty twenty six matchup. But you know, I, I think this is probably the peak of how uh, nasty it will get. And realistically, like being British and a, a soccer enthusiast, mm. that was soft. Mm. Like, like I, I was like, uh, there was a there was a, a player called Luis Figo who was a very mm. exciting Portuguese winger. There's a documentary actually on on Netflix. This is the second soccer reference on the podcast. What is going on? I'm anyway, proud of you, man. You're fine. Yeah, I'm just put, planting the flag, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he he moved from uh, Barcelona to Real Madrid, and mm. that is like, I mean, you just don't do that, right? Like, that, there's not an there's not an uh, American uh, com- comparison. It just doesn't exist. Like, it's just nuts. It. Is they they hate each other. They're bitter rivals. It's it's like it's like going to the dark side. So he went and did that, and then he came to play at Barcelona Stadium, and mm-hmm. the fans were throwing bottles, uh, throwing all kinds of stuff at him, and the, and the Barcelona captain had to turn around to the fans and be like, "Please stop!" Like he, yeah. they were raining stuff down on him. And if you go back and look at the footage, someone threw a pig's head at him. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, Bro. like, dude, that, this is nothing. They and like, booed also, him. Like, oh. And, like, we've seen football fans do worse. They, we've seen them throw popcorn and cans. Yeah, and I'm not, and... I, I, but by no means am I advocating no. that. I'm just no. uh, using that to illustrate the point that booing is fine. And do you know what? I'd have booed Russell Wilson. Griffin said he wouldn't, which is soft. I would have booed Russell Wilson if, if I, I was I'm trying to compete stadium. too. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a you, competitor. You have to compete. Also, I'm noisy, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I look. This might be the last time. I mean, there's a non-zero chance that this was the last meaningful game that Russell Wilson played at Lumen Field, because like. Yeah, it's uh, a 2026 it, game. It, that's going to be them. in Denver, and then 2024, the Seahawks will play the same place finisher in the AFC West. They oh. will host that game. So if the Broncos and the Seahawks do finish in the same place in 2023, then they would play the Broncos at Lumen Field. Okay. But other than that, the next time would be 2030, and that's two years after his current contract wraps up. So, like I said, non-zero chance that he's played his last meaningful game at lumen field so that might be the you know that might be the only time and look the wound is so fresh and for five months five whole months since you know the trade and the 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 uh the schedule finally dropped with this game being week one this is all we have heard about for five months and it's not really about you know what we've heard about it's about the players having constantly just being you know hearing about this, being asked about this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's probably Warren so tired of them. Like, uh, especially like even for guys that are like good friends with Russ, like Penny Hart, DK Metcalf, I'm sure even them were tired of it and kind of wanted to beat Russ (laughs) because of that as well. Like, you know, so I think like, you know, emotions are just running high and fans feel slighted. And a lot of fans, you know, they know what what actually happened, right? Like they're able to put two and two together on, on what happened, how this transpired. Russ wanted out. Mark Rogers was orchestrating things and everything. Like people, like most fans, I, I feel like realize that. At least, you know, the fans that were in attendance at the game. I think 
Russ deserves to be booed because Russ lied <laughs> and he allowed Mark Rogers to like gaslight the fan base. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, and he didn't like, he could have told Mark Rogers to stop at any point in time. Like, I get it. I get why fans feel slighted. And for that reason, like you, Maddie, I would, I would have booed too if I was there. Like, and you know, there will come a time that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what Russ has done. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, appreciate everything that he did over the last 10 years and for helping win a Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl in Seahawks, you know, history. But, you know, right now the wind is fresh and he was the enemy on Monday. Like he was the enemy. Like I would boo, I would boo the Jaguars. Like, <laughs> you know, like I don't. That's the other thing. Like the, the first videos were of them walking out the tunnel. I was like, yeah, they're being booed. They're the opposition team. Like, have you not yeah. seen an opposition team come out of a, the tunnel at Lumenfield? Like, obviously they yeah. get they get booed. Then yeah. it did get a bit more uh, spicy, but um, I mean, it was pretty tame. I said yeah. uh, I tweeted out I've had more hostile curries. Same, actually. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that, thank you for tuning in to the first. It's the first ever. Or like news roundup, we'll come up with a, a fancy name for this. Griffin may mm. be able to join us for some of them, but uh, he wasn't tonight. And then we'll be back tomorrow in your feeds and tomorrow live as well. It works both ways mm. with the tape review. Please do like the video on on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five star review on your podcast medium. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. Follow Ty at Dane Gonzalez and Gis. follow me at Matty F. Brown. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Fibber Brown. <laughs> yeah, we we appreciate you guys and uh, yeah, th thanks for all those of you who joined us live. Great questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. <laughs>